Hello, and welcome back to Mariana Thinks Food. This week's podcast, or this month's, or this quarter's, who knows, because life's busy, and this is my hobby. So, welcome back. Today's podcast is on averages. So, you are not average. Shocker. What does that really mean? Why am I telling you this? Why is that important for you to know? Keep listening to hear my opinion. First, let's dissect the word average, defined as a single number taken as a representative of a list of numbers. Most often, quote-unquote, average refers to the sum of the numbers divided by how many numbers are being averaged. This I got from the internet. So by this definition, you already need to know what average means for you to know the definition. So it's a bit confusing, but such is life. Why am I deep diving into the definition of averages? For starters, everyone always quotes government or study averages in order to tell people what they should eat, do, or do anything. I've even quoted averages because any nutritional guidelines or any government recommendations, that's what you say. And it's not me trying to be a hypocrite or anything, but a little bit of self-criticism and also self-awareness is always good, people. And this has come up from the more books and articles that I read, the more I find that people love using mathematical tools to tell other people what they should be eating. When the only person that needs to figure out what you should be eating is yourself, and you should use yourself as your research project, guinea pig, whatever you want. You. Yes, you. Humble listener. It's your responsibility to figure out for yourself what's good for you. If not, you'll end up part of this whole average system where no one is really average. You can be on the lower end of the spectrum or the higher end of the spectrum. And as long as you stay within these parameters, you're seen as, well, you're okay. But that doesn't mean that if you are at the lower end or the higher end, then you're something or other. It just means that you're different. And you might not be average, but you are not the only one with this problem or this reality. The books I've been reading lately have made me deep dive into herbal medicine and getting nutrients from herbs and spices. If you have ever cracked open a book on the subject, you will find that everything is caveated with. You need to find what works for you. So how is it that in this you need to find what works for you, but people don't really tell you about food in general that you need to find what food works for you, whether it be something that is traditional in your culture or not. You can be German and not be able to eat bread, which is a huge staple here um, where I'm living at the moment, caveating that. And you can be a celiac. So it doesn't make sense for you to go for your traditional food when it would actually make you sick. So are you catching where I'm going with this? Back to the herbs. So apparently you can be cold or warm, dry or wet. These are properties that once you figure out your tendencies and the nature of whatever ailment you have, you can address it with ginger or garlic or chamomile tea or even rose water, all things that are accessible, sometimes more expensive than others, depending on quality, but surely closer to you in nature than a pharmaceutical solution. But that's my opinion. 
it's not like I'm against conventional medicine, but coming from the US and having lived in Europe for six years, I have seen the contrast and the different relationships that both continents and countries have towards medicine. In the US, a pharmacy is an everything store where you can get from sleeping pills to toys. In Western Europe, pharmacies are medical establishments only. For all the other stuff, you have to go to a toy store, a supermarket, or more commonly now, just Amazon. But back to you and food. The reason that you're not average is because there are too many factors to consider. Your dietary needs are not a linear series of numbers that can be added and divided. You have your genetics, your environment, and your preferences to take into consideration. Your health goes back many, many generations. And by many, I have read these things. People have said these things. If they can prove it, well, they can prove that our mitochondria all comes from the same lady. So we're all inheriting something from our past. But on a food note, so how your grandparents ate affects how your parents are and how your parents eat. And then that affects how you've been fed and how you were fed in the womb. And so you reach this adult life with all these dietary influences that you never really knew that you were getting from your past and from these people that lived in the past that you no longer know or may possibly have never met. Aside from your siblings who can say, well, we had the same grandparents and we have the same parents and possibly the same upbringing, uh, then these people could say that you have similar eating habits. But come on, if any of you have siblings, you know that everyone has a different preference. Some people like to eat more. Some people are hungry. Some people are not. Some people are picky eaters. Some people are allergic to gluten or allergic to something else or lactose intolerant or whatever. And they are still related to you. Basically, you are not the average member of your family even. How would you be the average member of an entire nation, country, population, age group, gender, ethnic group, and so on? Insert box here. And then there's this other factor of the environment and say, well, environments also change how we are, what we eat, who we even become. If you don't eat enough or have enough nutritious food while you're developing, you essentially will not fully develop. Children in nations where access to nutritious food is a luxury have higher infant mortality rates and their health over the course of their lives is worse. Not only is parental nutrition pre and post conception important, but also what the child eats in those first years, which seems logical. But even beyond that, how many full-grown adults end up having health issues because of their over- or undernutrition? Overnutrition being the crux of the Western world. Overeating and overeating calorie-dense food is a huge problem. Calorie-dense foods are delicious. Cookies, cake, burgers, french fries. Mm, I'm getting hungry. But did you know that there are no or barely any foods in nature that have sugar and fat? I have yet to find one, and I saw this in several documents, and it's pretty impressive. Now I keep on looking at the grocery store at the natural food section and say, hmm, 
do you have fat and do you have sugar? And I'm not talking about a carb that turns into a sugar. I'm talking about sweet sucrose fructose combined with a fat that we have often in desserts, but also are very present in fast food. So ketchup is really high in sugar, and then you eat it with a potato that has been deep fried in oil that probably wasn't changed for two weeks because, little disclaimer here, in the U.S. at least, you don't have to change the oil you fry french fries in for two weeks. Yeah, I would stop eating french fries at a lot of places. But yeah, moral of the story, nature doesn't have this combination. We've made it. And we've been really good at making it, selling it, and making people buy it. And the average person in the U.S. has, I think, about 3,500 calories that they are produced for these people. But actually, the average person, and we go back to averages, um, should eat around 2,000. Depends on your size. Some people need less, and some people need more. Um, But... If we stick to that average with this 2,000, but then the average production of food is around 3,500, then you have this delta of 1,500. It's like, what's happening with it? So some of it is wasted and some people are actually consuming it. And then that's why you have a lot of people who are overweight. And I'm just saying, if there were better tasting, more high quality food in the market and there were less high volume, low quality things in the market, maybe people would appreciate more the better quality things and consume fewer calories or fewer junk foods. Because when you eat the junk food, uh, you should enjoy it. It's nice. It's delicious. But it shouldn't be every single meal that you have a burger or french fries from a fast food restaurant. And did you know that when you overeat, It's not like your body keeps on producing more cells and they reproduce. Your actual cells keep on getting larger to a point of no return. It's like a balloon that keeps on getting filled until it pops and leaves people with a lovely laundry list of diseases that can make living very difficult. But for a lot of companies, that's not their problem. They want to sell as much as possible and they hide behind these government guidelines of the average person can consume 2000 calories or the average person can eat this or the average person can have junk food once a day or once a week or even giving more difficult to follow guidelines of you need to eat five fruits and vegetables a day what does that look like what kind of fruits and vegetables where should i get them should they be organic Should I be eating the peel? Should I be washing them? How many should I eat? What is a serving? How many servings is four or five fruits and vegetables a day? And this is for the average person. Am I an average person? Are you an average person? Clearly, if you've listened to this podcast, you know you're not average. It might be good for you to have three or four fruits or vegetables a day. It might be good for you to have 15. You do you. Make sure that you listen to your body and that you really think about it. Think about what you're eating and putting in your mouth every day and what is the system that you want to promote and what do you want future generations to know? Because for me and why I do this podcast 
I'm constantly reading and learning and making revelations about things that were so clear to me before, but in reality, they're not so clear. And the more I read, the more I realize that everything, every study, every book, everything, I've known it's been subjective and I know that it comes from a specific study with a controlled environment that the cofactors have been exactly selected for whatever outcome that they wanted. But somehow we've never taught people to deviate from these guidelines. We've never communicated, or at least I was never communicated, you can always be an outlier or You can be average in some things and not in others. Or you can be average right in the middle. You could be that one person that is actually the right smack average, but still have a different experience and a different food habit than another equally as average person that would be sitting next to you would have grown up in your same house with your same genetics. Everyone's constantly talking about, like, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be eating. There are Instagram influencers and a lot of YouTube videos telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing and saying, well, I did this, therefore it will work for you and I can assure you because it worked for me. The problem is that It worked for that individual because of their constitution, their environment, their genetics, their predisposition, their upbringing, their preferences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It won't work for you because you're not that person. And in the same way that you are not average, that person isn't average either. So do not follow what other people think, what other people do without doing your own self-analysis and being self-aware of what works for you. If not, you'll be living a life of trying to fulfill someone else's diet expectations and you will never be able to figure out what actually is good for you, what gives you energy, what makes you sick, what makes you bloated, what will make your food experience better on this earth because you eat multiple times a day. It's one of these basic things that you need to do to survive, you know? So if you don't figure it out for yourself, what are you doing? You're going to be doing it forever. So figure it out. Just saying. Not giving you homework or anything. But if you're listening to this, do some little self-reflection Do I like having oatmeal in the morning? Does it make me hungry in two hours? When I have eggs in the morning, am I hungry after two hours? Hmm, if the answer is no, maybe you should be having eggs, a more protein-rich breakfast, because your body digests the carbs in a jiffy, and you need energy, and so you are craving a snack in the middle of the day. Alternatively, some people thrive with a high-carb breakfast and like a huge bowl of porridge slash oatmeal with bananas and walnuts and peanut butter and cinnamon and a bunch of deliciousness and I'm getting hungry again. But yeah, you catch my drift. Do a little bit of self-reflection. Figure out how you feel after certain meals. If 
you find that you feel sick after eating that meal multiple times, then hey, you've run your first experiment on yourself. Maybe try not to eat that food for a while. And then do you feel okay? Do you feel better? Interesting. Maybe I shouldn't be eating a whole head of cauliflower. Not admitting that I've done that multiple times, but really I have. And then you realize like, "Mm, that just doesn't work for me because, you know, your stomach starts distending and then you look like you're three months pregnant. And then people actually ask you if you're pregnant and then you have to respond, oh no, it's just the cauliflower baby. I'm sure some of you can relate. You probably don't say this on uh, the web or the media, but hey, it's my podcast and I can say what I want. And with that, I conclude this time's podcast. You're not average. Figure out why you're not average and do yourself a favor and listen to your body and do some little experiments on you. Be your own research scientist. I dare you. Thank you for listening. And as always, until next time.